Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. All right, you can go ahead and be seated if you want to. I hear you go, man, that's fast. Pastor's up early. This is going to be a long one. That's not necessarily what it means. But if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel, and so are you um, today. Chapter 17. It tells us that the Philistines had mustered their army for battle and camped between Succa and Judah and Azekah near the Ephedim. Uh, Saul countered by gathering his Israel troops near the Valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley in between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet. His bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead and weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the valley to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. What are your eyes on this morning? What do you see? Do you see what I see? Do you see what Saul saw? Do you see what the people of Israel saw, what his, his fighting men saw? All that Saul was able to see was this huge giant. All that Saul was able to see was this huge force of Philistines coming against them. What's crazy is that Saul was the person who had been chosen to fight that battle. Scripture tells us he was a head and, t- head and shoulders taller than anybody else in Israel. He was the one that was prepared to fight, yet he wasn't because he had his eyes fixed on the wrong thing. All around him, all he saw was failure. I don't know that I can fight these guys. I'm afraid I'll lose. But we can't go back because if we go back, we're facing defeat and ridicule and shame in our families will be taken over. I've got nowhere to go. Have you ever felt surrounded? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you are facing something you can't handle on your own? Something that you don't know what to do. I, if I do this, it's gonna end really bad. If I do this, it's gonna end really bad. I've got no good options. I see no way out of this. Sometimes we get caught. We get stuck. Maybe it's with our anxieties or our depression. Maybe it's an addiction that you have, that you've tried rehab, you've tried all the things, but nothing seems to work. And each time you see that addiction, all you can see is failure. Perhaps it's just you see yourself and you begin to feel so poorly about the way you handle things, about the way life has gone, about decisions that you have made that now you're living with the ramifications and you can't get out of them. What do you see? Quite often we see failure Failures in our past, we see failures in our future. And there stands Saul with the army, looking across the valley at a fear of failure. But that's not 
what he had to see. It's not what you have to see. And today we're going to be talking about that a bit. You see, there's a story that takes place in the book of Kings. It's a story about a guy named Elisha. He followed the prophet Elijah, and uh, he knew the things that God was doing. God was giving him insights. The king of Aram was coming against Israel. Yet every time the king of Aram would go somewhere, Elisha knew what was going on. God would tell him, so he would tell the king. And, and the Israelites were always ready for battle. And the king of Aram sat down with his guys and going, hey, man, one of y'all is a traitor. They said, no, 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 it's this Elisha guy. God tells him everything you're saying. So he says, we got to take out this Elisha guy. So he takes his army down, and they surround the city where Elisha is. Elisha's servant gets up that next morning, goes outside, looks around the hillside, and goes, oh, my goodness, we're dead. <laughs> this is horrible. We don't even have an army here. It's just us in this little town. We're about to be wiped out. He goes in and wakes up Elisha. He says, you got to come. You got to come. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. You got to come. You got to come now. Um, at least that's the way I would be doing it. You got yeah, to get out of here. So he goes, wakes up Elisha. Elisha gets up and says, calm down. It's okay. And he's going, no, 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 it's not okay. You've not seen. You've not seen what I've seen. So they step outside and the servant goes, look, all around us, we are surrounded. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Scripture tells us the servant's eyes were open and all around the army of the Arameans were chariots of fire and horses for the Lord's army that was surrounding them. Long story short, Elisha wins. God wins. I ask you today, what do you see? Quite often we get our eyes fixed on those things where we see failure. Some of you may have walked in here today carrying burdens, carrying struggles, carrying things that you need to let go. I'm going to ask you if you would, right here at the beginning of the service, would you close your eyes with me? Would you bow your heads? Father, there are some of us who have walked in here today carrying our own personal struggles. Some of us, Lord, are carrying those battles for our loved ones. We feel like we can't fight for them. We don't know what to do. We don't have the resources. We don't have the, the things at our disposals, we don't think, <laughs> to be able to help them. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you see. Open our eyes to see that we're surrounded by you. That as much as those things are around us, that Lord, you have battles that you're willing to face. That you have given us weapons, that you have given us tools to fight these battles. God, I pray for my brother or sister that is sitting here today, who came today because they need hope. Lord, they need a future. <laughs> they don't see anything ahead of them but failure and destruction. Father, I pray that you'd be with them right now. That any time throughout this service today, if they would just take that moment and say, Father, come into my life, forgive me, open my eyes to see where you are working. Open my eyes to see your love for me. Open my eyes to see the power and the strength that you've given me. Help me to know that, Lord, you not only want to surround me, but you want to fill me. You want to make me new. You want to cleanse me from my sin. Forgive me, Father. God, I pray that you would meet us right now where we are, that you would open our eyes to help us see that we may feel like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. Amen. We're always surrounded, <laughs> whether we see it or not. God is always with us. 
God is always around us. God has promised he would never leave us or forsake us. Yet somehow we forget. Saul forgot. That story I told you about Elisha, that happened before Saul. Saul would have been told that story as a child. He would have learned this story about how God fights for us, that God goes before us. You see, before we had a king, we had judges that led us. God's spirit would come on them and would lead them and they would lead the people. They would prophesy. They would fight in battles. But the people said, we want a king. So they got Saul. Handsome, scripture tells us. Fine strapping young man, they might say. Tall, taller than anyone else. Good looking, rugged, this is our king. As a young man, Saul said, no, 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 I'm not worthy to be king. But then as he faced battle after battle that he began to win, he began to believe what people told him about how awesome he was, about how good he was, until he faced someone who seemed bigger and stronger than him. See, it's good to be king. I don't, I don't wanna lose. <laughs> if I lose, that means I have to give up a little power, I gotta give up a little prestige. It's good to be king, it's good to be in charge. It's good to have people like what I'm doing. I don't wanna lose that, is what Saul is saying. So what do you do when you're in charge? and you're not sure what to do. Well, Saul passed the buck. It's a whole lot easier to have somebody else fail than for you to fail, because then you can blame it on them. And that's what Saul does. Saul says, come on, any one of you, come up, any one of you, go fight Goliath. I'll let you marry one of my daughters. I don't know if his daughters weren't very pretty or if Goliath was just that big, but nobody stepped forward. Nobody stepped forward. See, it's a whole lot easier to pass the buck but when nobody steps up, still facing Saul. What was he gonna do? How would he fight this battle? It's amazing that God sends a little boy, too young to fight in battle, had to stay home to watch the sheep, but this little boy comes up and says, why is no one going out to fight him? He's making fun of Israel, he's making fun of God. This little boy could see what Saul could not. See, this, this battle that Saul was facing was for young boys like David, for the children that lay behind them, for, as we read in the Psalms, those who were not yet born, generations yet to come. This is who Saul was fighting the battle for, but all Saul could think about was himself. All Saul could see was the enemy that was in front of him. We have some guests here who are gonna come up because this is part of who we're fighting our battle for. So as these people come up, as these children come up, would you welcome them as they come on up here to the platform? A few weeks ago, we read in Psalm 102 where it said, let these things be written so that a future generation, so those yet unborn, will proclaim the goodness of God. They will tell of his deeds. Why do we do the things that we do here at the NAS? Why do we fight the battles that we fight? Why are we through Rise Up talking about these new things that are going on? It's for kids like these. Sometimes they're our own children. Sometimes they're the children of people who've not yet become a part of us. It's for people out in our community, for people who need to come to know Christ. This is the opportunity that we have 
to rise up to face our battle. Sometimes we can get our eyes so fixed on what's going on in the world that we forget that we have hope. That families that bring kids in the world are testifying to the fact that God is surrounding us. That we're going to raise our children in the way God would have us do. Hopefully you didn't mess up your camera. Yeah. In the middle. Yeah. Is that better? Yep. What brought us to um, Columbus and Grove City specifically? Um, when I was getting ready, we were both getting ready to graduate um, college. We were looking for something different from our hometown. We're from a pretty small town, about two hours um, from Columbus, and we looked at Columbus and Cincinnati and several different areas. And um, Tyler has a family member, Katie Thomas, that lives um, right outside of Grove City, so she kind of got us into the NAS. Yeah, she got, um, whenever Emma moved over here before I did, um, she got Emma to like come and visit the NAS um, while I wasn't living over here. And then um, shortly after I moved over here, um, Katie again recommended that I should come and visit the NAS. And um, as I've told Pastor Dale before, I like specifically didn't go to a big church at first. I was a little intimidated by it. It was a little bit out of my comfort zone. Um, but I went with Emma one week and we immediately like fell in love with it. Um, it's just like a great big church, but we um, really feel like it was easy to get plugged in and it made such a big church feel a lot smaller and more intimate for us uh, just as a couple. Katie Thomas again had told us about a small, like a young adult. Um, alpha group. Alpha group. And um, she kind of uh, told us about it and we were like very hesitant, you know, just because we didn't know anybody. And it was immediately rewarding for us just to know that um, there was many other young adults like the, us that not only wanted to know each other, but grow uh, towards Christ together. And it's something that I really haven't got to experience fully growing up, so I was extra excited about it. I think it was either Caleb or Claire Sullivan, maybe both of them um, texted us and reached out, I don't know how long, not very, not very long after um, that meeting at Pastor Dale's house and invited us to um, a small group that was engaged or, which we were, we were engaged at the yeah. time, um, engaged or newly married couples um, at the Montavo's house, um, at Shelby and Michael's house. And um, again, that was something else, okay, we're like, we got now that we plugged ourselves in, we got to go to this. And um, so we've been going to that ever since. And mm -hmm. I think it's coming up on close to a year of meeting every Sunday. And it's been, it's been so great. We got married and to immediately be surrounded by not only young couples that are going through the same life experiences as us, but also we were um, mentored by Dan and Laura Hakes and they've been a great support and just a great, um, like, um, like a lifeline or if we need advice. Dan and Laura came to our wedding, um, which was great and so did our whole small group, which was just the best to have them yeah. there. Um, because I feel like even though we've only known these people for a year or less, they've had such a huge impact on our lives and a huge impact on yeah. our involvement with the church and with our faith. What would happen if whenever people think about Grove City, they cannot talk about the NAS? Like, wonder if the NAS is like the 
community hub and I feel like with Rise Up that's where the church is wanting to head and um, I think really that's the whole purpose of the church you know we have to be the church out in the community but then we also have to have the community come to the NAS also which will be awesome to see we're really excited to just see um, how much um, it'll just benefit the future generations. We know that God's doing great things at the NAS. I mean, we, we have seen it in just a short amount of time that we've been attending here. And um, I really think that um, God is gonna continue to work through this Rise Up mission and uh, beyond in the future years. Um, and I'm excited to see like where the NAS goes from here. Can we thank Tyler and Emma? Uh, for doing that. One of the reasons I wanted you to hear from Tyler and Emma is because as we talk about reaching young families and of kids not yet born, I teased them. It didn't show up on the video because uh, they don't have kids yet. They just got married. So we asked, when are you going to have kids? You know, which is what we're trying to do here. It's our, it's our mission. Um, but as they talked, what happened with them is continuing to happen over and over. As people come and they meet you, Maybe at someone's house, maybe just here to begin with. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe it's time for you to invite someone like Katie said to Emma, hey, come on, just go. And then to Tyler, come on, I know it's a big church, but come on, be a part. And they got invited to an alpha group and then they got invited to someone's house. And as those things began to happen, stone by stone, the walls began to come down. They began to take those steps and now they're at a place of saying, we can't wait to see our kids playing on the playground, to see our kids playing in the field house, to see God working in and through them. The thing that keeps coming up is, is these kids. In 1 Samuel, near the end of this chapter, David finally walks out onto the field of battle. He doesn't take a helmet, he doesn't take the shield, he doesn't take the armor. He doesn't wear all that stuff. He doesn't take Saul's sword. I mean, picture with me. Saul was a head and shoulders above everyone else. David is still not grown up yet. In fact, Scripture tells us he was ruddy-faced. He didn't even have to shave yet. He was a little kid. Um, I know David's handsome later on in the Scriptures. We read he's handsome. But as a little kid, you would have said, isn't he cute? Goliath says, you send this chihuahua out to fight me? That's essentially what he's saying. This is who you're sending, this little runt. You could even find a bigger runt to send at me. And he makes fun of him. You see, David wasn't supposed to be fighting the battle to begin with. It was Saul's battle to fight. Saul should have been out there. Saul had the armor. Saul had the size. Saul had God with him had he opened his eyes. But he did not. So David goes out. David knew something that all of us need to know. Starting in verse 45, it says, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Read that again. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people but not 
with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. Folks, we're in a battle. I know we look around the world and we see battles. We see wars and rumors of wars going on all over the world. We can get fearful. We can get afraid. We can wonder, when's it going to hit home? When's it going to hit my children? When are my kids going to be called to war? What's going to happen? What's going to go on? But the war that we're talking about right now is a different war. It's a battle for the souls and the hearts of men and women and children and those yet unborn. And sometimes it takes the faith of a child to help us see what God is going to do. We've shared with you some stories of some awesome stuff over these last few weeks of how God has begun to speak to people. Pastor David shared with you last week about uh, someone who has put off their retirement. I had someone else that I was speaking to, a different person, and said, so, retirement's coming up this summer. You pretty excited about it or are you afraid they're gonna try and talk you into it again? He said, no, you already talked me into it. I said, I did. He goes, well, the Lord did. So what do you mean the Lord did? He said, well, as I've been praying, if I'm gonna give what God's asked me to give, I'm gonna work a couple more years probably. So I'm not retiring yet. But it's so that I can see people come to know the Lord. Someone in retirement age, in their 60s, that says, no, I've still got battles to fight. God's still calling me to do things. We talk about David and little kids and the things that they do. You've got a card there in front of you. Honey, can you hand me my, oh, here it is, right here. These rise up cards that you received when you came in, I'm gonna ask the ushers if they would pass them out to everyone who's here. Everyone take one, not one per family, husband's wife, everybody take one. I want you to hold them uh, for, certain, for a reason here. If you're new here today, um, again, what David said, we don't want you to feel excluded. I know this is weird to be here on a Sunday like this. I would apologize to you for it, but we're, we're really, really hoping God will help us make a difference here in our community. We're not asking you uh, to participate. You don't have to, but we don't want you to feel excluded. And so what we're gonna say to everyone who's here today, some of you have already pledged, some of you have been praying, and right now, you may start writing down what God has been telling you, preparing your pledges. And here in a moment, we're gonna sing a song, and here on the altars, there are baskets that you'll put those in. Some of you may say, I'm not sure what I wanna do. What, what's the goal? We have a numeric goal. We'd like to raise $3.8 million. That's what we're trying to do so that people can come to know Christ. There's lots of things that are gonna be going on on the property. You can see all that when you go out in the lobby. But our goal is 100% participation. Your staff, your church board are 100% in. You've heard us tell stories of how some of our lead givers have stepped up. And usually this is the time where we come and we tell you about here's how much money we have. And we've, we've done pretty well, but I wanna tell you about something else. Because as we talk about David coming forward, I wanna tell you about a couple stories of people that aren't old, of how our children are rising up in faith. Last week I walked through the children's area and asked Pastor Brittany, how are things going? She says, oh, they're going, they're going um, good. I said, so the kids got in their cards. She goes, oh yeah, the kids have already gotten their cards. They've been working on their stuff. They're gonna turn their pledges in uh, on that Sunday with you. She said, in fact, here's a funny story. One of the moms came in and was helping do some stuff. And as they were talking, she told a story about her, her six-year-old who said, mom, mom, come up, see my room, see my room. So mom runs upstairs and she looked. Look, mom, my room's clean. 
It was a miracle. <laughs> but the little girl held up her card, said, I clean my room. This is the way I'm helping others. I wanna help you, mom, so you don't have to clean my room. But she also said, look, mom, I've done six things on my card. My sister's only done four. <laughs> we have another elementary girl. Her mom walked in her room. There'll be a card that shows up on the screen, I think. <laughs> she started marking out all the things that she's been doing. The bottom left, you can't totally read it, but it says 50 cents. And right below it, written in her little pink marker says, it's all I've got. It's all I got. But I want people to come to know Jesus. So I'm giving all I got. There's been a youth alpha meeting and one night uh, Bailey came to me after alpha and said one of the teenagers came up to her and said, yeah, I've been trying to think about what I would do, but the job that I currently have, I don't get paid a lot. I barely have enough money for gas and all the stuff that I need to do. And he said, uh, so I used to detail cars, but I haven't had any detail jobs lately. <laughs> so I just prayed and said, okay, God, if you bring me some more detail jobs, all the money I make off detailing, I will give to rise up so people can come to know Christ. He said, the next day my phone rang. Somebody called me for a detail job. And then it rang again. And then it rang again. And he said, I'm at the place now where I'm asking God, can I quit that promise or change it? <laughs> he said, but I began to mark out how much I was gonna make and once I tithed, how much that would be. And he said, I felt like while I was writing all that down, God said to me, I thought you said you were gonna give all your detail money. He said, that is what I said, but I was trying to get out of it. I didn't think I'd get this many jobs. So this 17-year-old boy looked at Bailey and said, so I don't know how much it'll be over the next 18 months, but right now I already have $1,000 to give. Folks, we talk about people who can give. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> talk about people who can give a lot. But for me, these kids that are going, it's all I got. For a 17-year-old to say, here's what I'm giving because I wanna see God do what he can do in and through us. Folks, we share different times, stories that have shaped us here. I've told you about the stories of gathering and hearing people pray, but I'm gonna share with you a story that, that changed my life here. It's about 12 years ago. We were gathered back in the family room. It was called the Hospitality Center at the time. The board was meeting. We had a tough decision to make. Pastor Mark had shared a vision with the church of what, what we thought needed to happen, but the board was praying about it. They took a month or two to pray. And it was the board meeting where we were supposed to make the decision. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was a lot like Saul. I was looking at the enemy. I was looking at the things that wouldn't go right. I, I was not saying that out loud. I was supporting. I was moving forward. But I was waiting for this board meeting because I just knew there were going to be people that said, hmm, not sure about this. There are, in fact, three people <laughs> that I knew or I thought they're probably going to speak up. So sure enough, in the board meeting, the first person spoke up. I go, there's one. And they said, you know, I won't say everything that they said, but they walked through coming here as a young adult and watching the shift that we had made back in the 80s with music to help reach young families and said, I was a young family looking at older people going, they probably don't like this. So when I get older, I want to be like them. He said, now I'm finding myself older and realizing it's not about me. It's about those we're trying to reach so I'm all in. 
I'm like, well, that, that was one down, wrong way. The next person looked up and said, hey, this is gonna affect me. It's gonna affect my ministry. It's gonna affect what I do. But I remember when I came here with my kids, the person that mattered most to this church was the person who had not been here yet. And if we're trying to do this to reach people who have not been here yet, it's not about me and it's not about my ministry. It's about what God wants to do. I'm all in. I'm like, man, I'm 0 for 2. Then the third person spoke. The third person said, well, whenever they start like that, you know, it's going to be pretty serious, right? Everybody got quiet. Well, I took my son out to lunch. I feel like we've always been a church of change. We've always been willing to do whatever it takes to reach lost people. We've always stepped up. We've always faced the call. We've always faced the challenge. So I asked my son, do you feel like we've always been a church of change? And my son said, yes, we've always been a church of change. You feel like we've always been willing to do whatever it takes? Yes, we've always been willing to do whatever it takes. And he said, I looked at my son. He said, do you feel like we're still that church? And my son said, no, I don't think we are anymore. And this man hung his head. And it was silent. And I remember thinking, he's gonna raise his head and he's gonna say, you know what? We fought a lot of battles, but sometimes when you get bigger, you have to be careful and you have to be good stewards of what God has given you. We need to be careful with what we have. I don't think this is a smart thing for us to do. We need to be careful. That's what I knew he was gonna say in my head. But I'll never forget the head rising up from the table and looking at the board and saying, not on my watch, not on my watch. We're gonna do whatever God has called us to do. So I ask you this morning, are you gonna be like Saul and are you gonna look at the enemy and say, eh, I'm not sure we can do this. Not sure what's gonna happen. Are we gonna be like David and say, this isn't our battle, it's God's battle. God's already won it. We don't need swords, we don't need spears, we don't need these things. God has given us all the things we need to fight with. We don't need armor, we don't need that stuff. We're not fighting a battle that's physical. The battle that we're in is a spiritual battle. In Ephesians chapter six, God tells us you're gonna fight battles, church. He tells us you're gonna go into things that you don't wanna go into. It's gonna be tough. In fact, here is the armor that I am going to give you. I want you to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Get your feet ready with the gospel of peace to go share to others. And in everything you do, pray always on all occasions. These are the weapons I am giving you. You're gonna face battles. So quit whining when you face battles. Quit looking at the enemy and what's coming at you. Remember that you're surrounded by me. I have given you the armor that you need. Our problem, most of us, I heard a pastor say this a few months ago, the problem with most of us is we're running around naked with nothing but the helmet of salvation on going, I'm saved. And we have no other weapons at our disposal. Do you feel like that sometimes? We need to step up. We need to put on the armor. We need to get ready to fight. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Many of you have already been praying. God has already been working. God has already been moving. He's been asking you what you're gonna do. Today is Commitment Sunday. In just a moment, we're gonna stand and we're gonna march into battle. 
You're gonna march down here. There are baskets down here where you can place your card and there's a little coin that you can get. The coin that you can get on one side says rise up in prayer, in generosity, in action. But on the back is this verse. Everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And around the outside are the weapons that we fight with. Righteousness, faith, prayer, the word of God, truth, and the gospel of peace. We're gonna ask you to place that car in the basket and pick up one of these coins, carry it around with you or put it somewhere prominent so that when you face battles, you'll remember. We don't come with sword and shield. We don't come in all those weapons of men. We come in the battle with the Lord. Father, be with us today. You've been speaking, you've been moving. Father, people have stepped up and been extremely generous. God, our children have stepped up with their slings and their stones and been faithful with what you've called them to do. Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning, that in all we do, we would continue to sing of your faithfulness, that we would open our eyes to see that you are the one that is moving, that you are the one that is acting, and that all you've called us to do is be faithful and to let you do the work. So God, now as we come forward, would you help us, Lord, to take those steps knowing what it is that you want to do in and through us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask Melissa if she would come up and join me on the stage. She's got our card that's filled out. Some of you know we've already given, we've already made our pledge, and so on our card, I've just written on here, we've already pledged. We gave online, we've done our stuff. It's got the car on here, some of you may not know. Um, we took my dream 16-year-old car that I found, dream, yeah, when I was a 16-year-old, the car I dreamed about. And so I've already given the church the title, but here's the other key. Uh, we'll be thrown in the basket. In just a minute, our kids are gonna come across the stage. You're gonna see our preschoolers putting their cards in, our elementary kids putting their cards in, our fifth and sixth graders, our Spanish congregation is coming down. We're gonna sing about a battle that God's already won. He's already won it. The question is just, are we gonna step into it with him? So I'm gonna ask you if you would stand. If you filled out your card and done that, uh, just come on forward and place them in the basket as Melissa and I are doing right now. I'll let you do it, honey. Um, remember this moment. God's already won the battle. God's already done everything he needs to do. He's just asking us to walk in this moment with him. God bless you as you give. In the 1950s, for the first time, someone broke the four-minute mile barrier. They ran a mile in four minutes. People thought it couldn't be done. They kept talking about it. A man did it. A month later, someone else did it. They didn't know they had done it so close. Later that year, they ran together and both ran a sub-four-minute mile in a race. Within six months, 50 other people had run a sub-four-minute mile. By the next year, 150 people had run a sub four minute mile. Why am I telling you this? Who cares about miles? I'm not gonna go run today and neither are you. <laughs> so why are you telling me this? Because sometimes it takes someone taking the step to see that something can be done. David took the step 
and defeated Goliath. We will read later in the book of Samuel that David and his mighty men go out to battle again and they begin to face many other giants and descendants of the giants. And we read about four more giants that were killed. I'm standing here before you today not to tell you that we just faced Goliath or that we are facing Goliath. I'm gonna tell you, you stand in a building where people have already faced Goliath. We know of a place over on Columbus Street where people did something people said couldn't be done and they started a church of the Nazarene in Grove City, Ohio. They faced Goliath. Moving to this property was another giant. Building this building was another property. Building the Christian school and childcare and the things we've done. We have faced giant after giant. This is another giant. We're gonna face more giants, folks. But God has already shown us that we can run the four minute mile, not literally, but figuratively. God wants to do amazing things in and through us and he's gonna continue to do that as we give him strength, as we allow him to fill us and do what he wants to in and through us. Those of you that are watching online today, there's a place there where you can go to the nas.church slash rise up. There's a QR code where you can be a part. We don't want you to miss out on this either. As we step forward, we're gonna sing one more song and you've got the opportunity to continue uh, to be with us, to do and be a part of what God is doing as we slay these giants so that we see more and more people in our community come to know him. I told the ushers this morning, David talked about the amount of money that we need to raise. And that was his giant. I'm gonna tell you what my giants are. Because I've been battled these last few weeks going, really, do you really think that in the power of God, your church can help the divorce rate in Grove City decline? That's the dumbest thing ever. You all can't do that. Do you really think you can see the number of people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol decline? Do you really think you can see the mental health of the city change and become better where there's less anxiety and less depression? Those are, those are so nebulous. Those are so hard to fight. There's no way you all can fight those. And I began to look at the giants. And God reminded me, to be honest with you, that's when that first Kings passage came about that we're surrounded by a God who's already fighting the battle for us. If God has called us to do it, that God wants to do it. And he will do it in and through us. But are we gonna let him fight the battle? Are we gonna pick up the weapons we need to pick up and to fight the battle? I'm asking you to sing one more song before we go, but we're hoping that God will continue to use us as we fight the battles that he's put before us. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.